Welcome to the Why in Psychiatry. Hi, this is Dr. Miles, CEO Fellow, where we delve into the intricate nuances of psychiatric topics. My name is Dr. Chandora, attending psychiatrist. I did my residency from University of Connecticut, and then I did my fellowship from Georgetown University in Consultation and Liaison. Each episode features interview-style discussions that explore the intersection of the mind, medicine, and the human experience. Together, we'll uncover the hidden why and the groundbreaking discovery shaping the psychiatric landscape. So grab a seat, a warm beverage, tune in, and let's embark on this journey to unlock the mysteries of the human psyche. Only on The Why in Psychiatry. Welcome back to The Why in Psychiatry. Today, we'll be talking about depression and neurocognitive disorders. So when I'm seeing a patient with Parkinson's disease or a patient with some form of dementia, I've noticed that it is hard to tell if they have depression or their mental status exam is just a continuation of their disease process. So I guess my question today too is how depression or disease, how can you tell the difference in this population? So that's a very good question. A lot of people get confused between depression and dementia. And patients with dementia can also have depression. And you talked about two separate populations, Alzheimer's, dementia, and Parkinson's disease. In Parkinson's disease, it's very difficult actually to say whether the patient's lack of facial emotion, the mask face, is because of the disease or the patient actually has depression. So one thing that I tell people and I like usually tell my residents and medical students and my fellows is that the type of skills that you're going to use will make a difference. So in our population who doesn't have dementia and in the younger population, we use PHQ-9. PHQ-9 actually has a lot of questions on the neurovegetative symptoms. If you use PHQ-9 in an elderly population that has dementia, then it becomes confusing because you can get false positive. Because as we age, we will actually accumulate a lot of those neurovegetative symptoms, right? Decreased energy, problem with sleep, problem with appetite slowing up our psychomotor activity. So we use something called as a geriatric depression scale because geriatric depression scale focuses more on affective symptoms rather than the neurovegetative symptoms. So it's usually scored out of 15, anything five and above is considered to be positive. And when you're scoring the geriatric depression scale, you have to look at the instruction because some of them are scored in the reverse way. So it's just a yes and no question. So it's very important actually what kind of scales you're using. Now, when you see a patient with dementia who also complain of depression, so you have to treat the underlying depression because if we don't treat the underlying depression, it's going to lead to a poor prognosis. It can lead to a rapid decline in the cognitive function. Plus it can decrease the quality of life for the patient as well as for the caregiver. Plus, it also increases the risk of institutionalization. So it's extremely important actually to diagnose depression in patients with dementia and treat it accordingly to improve the quality of life. Okay. May I answer the question? So to help differentiate depression from neurocognitive disorder, you're saying we should use the geriatric depression scale, which is a scale that's got out of 10, 5 and above is positive. And it's also important to treat depression in this population cause not using depression at least to worse outcomes for cognitive function, however, for the caregivers and just overall poor progressors. And then my next question is, I know apathy is a significant problem in this population. And sometimes it's hard for me to differentiate between apathy and depression. Why, why is that? So apathy is actually lack of motivation. It's a lack of motivation for goal-directed behavior. For example, goal-directed behavior is the inability of the patient to start a conversation. 
doing basic tasks in life. So they will have a decreased motivation for this goal-directed behavior. They will have decreased motivation for goal-directed cognitive activities like lack of ideas, curiosity when they're in a social setup, right? And there's also a decrease in the emotion. They don't respond to positive as well as negative events. So a lot of times family members actually look at the patient and say that, hey, they're not showing any emotions at all. Most likely this is depression. And they actually come to the provider because the main complaint is that the patient is not engaging in day-to-day -day activities. So naturally, it means that the patient is depressed. And a lot of times physicians get confused and they basically treat the patient like they have depression. But, but it is not quite depression, but it's like depression. Yes, because the geriatric depression score will be negative in these patients because they are not depressed. They just have a decrease in the motivation to do everything. Lack that motivation. They lack that oomph, basically. And we'll talk actually about the areas of the brain that can get involved. Yeah, I guess in, and this is specific to this population. So if I get a 20-year-old with apathy-like symptoms, would it matter as much if I give them an SSRI, if I just treat them as depression? Or, or, does, or do I need to still worry about, is this depression or is this apathy in that population? That's a great question. So younger population, when you use an SSRI or SNRI, especially SSRI, as you increase the dose of SSRI, serotonin and dopamine work against each other. So when you increase the serotonin too much, there's a neural mechanism that is involved, the ventral tegmental area, which is actually a dopaminergic center in the midbrain that usually sends dopaminergic signals into your nucleus accumbens, that's a mesolimbic pathway, and to your cerebral cortex, that is a mesocortical pathway. So the mesolimbic pathway, the dopaminergic system will be affected if there's too much serotonin in the system. So it can actually induce apathy in a younger population. If you use a very high dose of RI, or they have a polymorphism in one of their serotonin receptors in the ventral tegmental area. So that is why SSRI caused that mutant effect. That's a side effect of SSRI when they feel like everything is dull and nothing is as exciting. Okay. So that's why that happens. And so in let's, so how can we differentiate apathy from depression in our older population? So the best way actually to treat a patient in psychiatry is using scales. And also the scales help you to know how you are how the patient is responding to the treatment, right? So we know that for the depression, we use geriatric depression score scale. Yep. For apathy, there's something called as an apathy evaluation scale, right? So when family member complains of like a lack of motivation, the patient doesn't do anything. So I, what I do is that I also use the ap apathy evaluation scale. It's out of 72. So the score is between 18 to 72. Higher the score, more is the apathy. Then now, apathy and depression, they can also coexist or they can be two separate entities. Of course. Right? Me, me, my job harder. Now, it's very important to differentiate between the two because they look very similar, but the treatment is very different. The neural circuitry that is involved in depression and the neural circuitry involved in apathy are very different. So one of the problems is that if you treat depression and you ignore apathy, now suppose that the patient had apathy but misdiagnosed depression and used an SSRI or SNRI. Serotonergic drugs can make apathy worse. So when they have apathy, you basically use a dopaminergic agent or you use a cholinesterase inhibitor. So research data shows that when you use cholinesterase inhibitor, it increases the activity in your ventral stratum. That's the nucleus accumbens, the reward center of the brain. So a lot of times if the patient has Alzheimer's dementia and you're using a cholinesterase inhibitor, it can help with apathy. But please don't use cholinesterase inhibitor in frontotemporal dementia because apathy is also seen in frontotemporal dementia. Because they have no cholinergic deficit. 
So cannot use a cholinesterase inhibitor frontal temporal dementia. That is one thing I want people to actually take home. You can use cholinesterase inhibitor in other conditions, but not to right. treat apathy in patients with frontal temporal dementia. Okay. So patients will have dementia, especially like in patients with Alzheimer's dementia, the approximate prevalence rate of apathy in Alzheimer's dementia is about 80%. Very high, right? Apathy can also be seen in patients who have uh, subcortical dementia, like Parkinson's disease dementia, right? Or patients with subcortical stroke can also actually have apathy. Is there a medication for those patients? The best thing to use is go for a dopaminergic agent. Like you can use bupropion or you can use a stimulant. If there's no cardiac contraindication or the patient doesn't have seizures, then you definitely can use a stimulant in elderly population. Methylphenidate is the preparation that has been studied for the treatment of depression as an augmentation strategy in elderly patients. But again, there is no clinical trial. There's no FDA-approved medication to treat apathy. That makes sense. Yeah, okay, okay, let me see if I get it straight. Especially in our elderly population, it's significant. It's important for us to differentiate between apathy and depression because sometimes our common antidepressants don't work if they have apathy. I, we give them an SSRI or an SNRI can worsen the apathy. And one way to help differentiate apathy is using the apathy evaluation scale. And then especially in this population, cholinesterase inhibitors for patients with, say, Alzheimer's or neurocognitive disorder. Cholinesterase inhibitors helps with apathy as well as dopamine agents like bupropion. And in some cases, the stimulants, however, for the cholinesterase inhibitors to be careful with patients with patients with FTD frontal temporal dementia do not have as if they acetylcholine dysfunction in their pathology. Is that correct? That's right. So now, I mean, this has me thinking, it seems like a mind change, pharmacological mind change. So what pharmacological pitfalls should I be concerned about or aware of when I'm seeing this patient? I'm actually saying what? But tomorrow. So what steps or what things should I make sure I am watchful for? So when you're treating patients with dementia and they have depression, all right, or they have apathy, whatever you're actually treating and whatever you're diagnosed the patient with. Now the treatment of depression, now apathy separate. Now we're not talking about apathy. If patient suppose that doesn't have apathy, they just have depression, you can use any antidepressant like the antidepressant you use in younger patient population. Only thing I want you guys to remember is that start low and go slow in an elderly patient. Okay. Because the entire metabolism changes. It slows down in elderly patients. Plus, elderly patients are also on polypharmacy. So you have to look at a lot of drug interactions. Plus, elderly patients will also have other medical comorbidities. Right? They can be hypothyroid. They can have liver disease. They can have kidney problems. They can have cardiovascular problems. And they can also have hyponatremia. So you have to look at medical comorbidities before you decide which particular antidepressant you are going to use. And so if they have apathy or if they have depression and apathy, still the same method, use a common antidepressant, start low, go slow. Yeah, so when they have apathy with depression, then there's again, there's no placebo-controlled clinical trials, right? So when... There is apathy with depression. I usually go with something that is more dopaminergic in nature and doesn't have the serotonergic effect to it. For example, bupropion is not a bad choice in this particular patient population if they have apathy along with depression. Or you can actually use a cholinesterase inhibitor if it's a patient with Alzheimer's dementia and see if the apathy actually improves. And once the apathy is improved, you can actually then do a geriatric depression scale and see if the patient now has depression and then treat the depression accordingly. 
But I'll be very careful with the serotonergic agent if the patient actually has apathy. But at the same time, be also very careful with bupropion and dopaminergic agent. If the patient has the psychotic symptoms, please do not use a dopaminergic agent. Yeah. Yeah. That's why, I guess that's why I like this formulation. You're considering with that, with those mixtures. So it seems like overall you want to verify if they have depression or apathy or if they have both. Cause that would direct our treatment. So with apathy, lean motor choline storase inhibitors and the pulmonary agent. But be careful if this, if they have FTD, stay away from the choline storase inhibitors. If they have psychotic symptoms, stay away from the dopaminergic agents as well. I'll make one more small comment before oh, yeah. I end. So be careful with the antidepressant. You can use any antidepressant, all right? It's, there's no contraindication for antidepressants, but be very careful when you're using antidepressant that has a lot of cytochrome interaction, like fluoxetine, okay. peroxidine, fluoxamine, because these are the three antidepressants will interact with a lot of cytochrome P450 inhibiting. So if you don't want to actually have the headaches of looking at the cytochrome P450 interaction, some of the antidepressants, which you don't have to worry about cytochrome interaction or venlafaxine, desvenlafaxine, escitalopram, mirtazapine. So these are some of the antidepressants that you can use in elderly patients if you don't want to think about drug interaction, right? But always please make sure that when you're diagnosing a patient with depression, rule out bipolar disorder. That is one thing you always do when you're evaluating a patient with depression, whether the patient is young or elderly, you have to make sure they don't have bipolar disorder. So yeah, those two things, bipolar disorder and signify if it's just apathy or apathy and depression and stay away from those medications that has a lot of cytochrome interactions with other medications. Thank you. And that's all we have for the why in psychiatry. Thank you, guys. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Our tireless team is already hard at work cobbling together another potpourri of fascinating discussion for next week, so be sure to tune in. Visit our website and our podcast feed and let us know your thoughts on the episode. Subscribe so you don't miss our releases every Wednesday. Until next time, keep smiling, keep shining, and stay curious.